0: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this live recording of the EdTech podcast and this particular episode of the Voctech podcast in collaboration with UFI Voctech Trust and uh, as part of the UFI week of Voctech. My name is Sophie Bailey, and I'm the founder and host of the EdTech podcast and Work Trip. And in this particular recording, we're going to be looking at supporting hidden learner communities through human-centered design. Um, a few thank yous before we start. So thank you, um, obviously, to all of our guests who will meet in a moment. Thank you to UFI for hosting this as part of their week of Vox Tech. And thank you to you if you're listening live today uh, or back on demand, either on the podcast feed or on the UFI uh, YouTube channel. Um, if you are watching this on the UFI YouTube channel and you post comments under the streaming of this uh, recording, Uh, then those comments will pull through into StreamYard and we can use those um, comments or questions today. So uh, do feel free to do that and we'll integrate those into the uh, discussion. So uh, that uh, brings me on to our podcast theme so as mentioned it's looking at supporting hidden learner communities through human-centered design so quite often those so-called hidden learner communities aren't small they're quite sizable we're going to find out about that today Um, but they're not particularly well served by the existing um, solution for learners in those spaces so what are people doing about that in this episode we're going to chat to a business on a mission to provide better opportunities to apprentices through technology and coaching a business that maps talented gamer skills traits to learner and employment pathways and an online community working to connect 11 million unpaid carers to peer-to-peer learning so let's get into it i've had some fabulous uh prepar- preparatory chats with uh, many of the guests today and i'm really thrilled to bring all those discussions to the to the table at this uh podcast recording. So I'd like to uh welcome up to the virtual stage as it were uh Chichi Arichalu the head of leadership development at Multiverse. Welcome
1: Chichi. Good morning Sophie. How are you?
0: And uh, I'm very well. How are you doing
1: Chichi? Very good. Very good. Thanks.
0: Excellent, and for anyone who's watching in, Chi Chi is uh, standing in for Elizabeth, who unfortunately was unwell today. Uh, David Barry, founder of Game Academy. So welcome, David.
2: Hi, nice to see you.
0: Nice to see you. And finally, James Townsend, the founder of Mobilize. So welcome, James.
3: Hi, Sophie, great to be with you all.
0: Great to be with you all. So um, first up, uh, James, let's go background in reverse. Please, could you each give an introduction to who you are and what you do in your own words? Um, So a couple of minutes each, and then we'll kick into the the questions today as well.
3: Sure, thanks, Sophie. Well, so my name's James. I'm CEO and co-founder of Mobilize. But I guess my my more important role is as son to my mum. And uh, my mum happens to have MS. And that means that like 11 million other people in the UK, I have what's called an unpaid carer role. I'm looking after a fam- family member, fa- uh, friend, or neighbour. And we found that um, unpaid carers are so often hidden, as you say, Sophie. And we think there's a lot more that we could do to be supporting them in that role. And the the key learning journey is if if you imagine um, your uh, y- your family comes across a diagnosis or an accident, or or frankly, uh, just as somebody moves towards old age there's a very steep learning curve around maybe three areas one is the practical things that you need to do to be caring for somebody the second is how to navigate the system and the social care system integrating with health professionals coming into your house every now and again uh, it can be in- incredibly complicated and then thirdly, there's a range of emotional challenges that you need to learn to navigate and how to bring your family on this journey uh, as you go. So we think that there's an opportunity to support carers uh, in, in doing that. And we've been working with 25 local authorities uh, to date to reach about 350,000 people with the, uh, the kind of support I've described.
0: Absolutely. Brilliant. And I know that everyone listening will have a connect into you know that world, <laughs> won't they? So through their own lived experience, that's brilliant. Thank you very much. Uh, David, let's go around to you.
2: So nice to meet you. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me. So I'm David. I'm, I'm co-founder and CEO of Game Academy. We are a personal service for players of video games. Um, Video game players are immensely talented and skilled. They're great at problem solving, collaboration, and communication. But very often they don't necessarily know the power of that skill, um, the in-game power out of game. And so we help them um, realize that through a whole series of different experiences, uh, uh, diagnostics, online experiences, inspirational talks, um, all sorts of curated programmes, boot camps, all sorts of things to help game players really understand and capture the power of that talent. And then what we do is also is we have a a talent pool of game players um, who we um, support in their personal development and career development. It's um, game playing is no longer a niche. Game playing is no longer, you know, the the sort of closet kind of bedroom experience. Obviously, the world of work is changing dramatically and coming towards game players. So the challenge and the opportunity is to almost, is to almost, you know, re- traditional recruitment and employability and career organisations don't necessarily recognise the power of game skills. And so what we're doing is bringing those skills forward and uh, bringing a new force of and a new thought about talent into the labor market
0: fantastic thank you thank you and finally uh chichi
1: hi good morning everyone and um, thank you for having me so um, i'm chichi i'm head of leadership development at multiverse and at multiverse we're creating an outstanding alternative to university and corporate training through professional apprenticeships so um, i joined about, almost four years ago when we're about 53 people now over 800 in the uk and the us supporting eight thousand apprentices across different companies and so We're really committed to kind of closing that gap between understanding that there's talent everywhere, but opportunity isn't everywhere. And how can we provide alternative routes for individuals to um, get these roles and these positions? Um, We have a really strong uh, community, well, we have mentoring um events and and sort of guest speakers who come and support our apprentices so it's more than just a qualification it's really about a community where you can learn and grow and really look to strengthen your sort of career growth and journey but also learn additional skills so you know you go to university you, you get a qualification um at multiverse you go to qualification but you're also learning those softer skills those durable skills that are needed in the workplace to help you succeed so really pleased to be having this conversation today.
0: Brilliant. Thank you all so much. It's really great uh, way to start the conversation. So um, I've got my first question here. We've we've covered over that um, somewhat, but if you want to get into um, any more detail, it's really thinking about the sort of hidden aspect of the learner community. So, you know, what what is hidden about the learners that you serve? You know, is it about age? Is it about socioeconomic background, neurodiversity, or, you know, thinking about whether their motivations for learning are are kind of uh, represented in in what's out there currently when people, you know, think about learning in the mainstream, I suppose. So um, anyone like to dig into, you know, what seems to be hidden and, and, and why that should not be the case and why it should, you know, we should do more to to kind of serve those learners. So anyone like to jump in? James,
2: well,
3: I'm going to pick on you. <laughs> you kick off, no, no, D- David, you, you get going yeah. first, please.
2: Well, I mean, you know, the, the people who we serve, um, who are game players, um, you know, they're in an immersive universe, they're in an immersive space. They're also in a space which culturally, over the last 30 years, I mean, obviously, gameplay has grown massively, but um, there's a real anxiety around what the validity is of that talent. Um, and also, real anxiety about sharing it. There's a real sense and concern that conventional, the conventional labour market is full of kind of fuddy duddies who just don't get it, um, who don't have a kind of neo goth World of Warcraft fantasy rolling through their head in any shape or <laughs> form. God help them. Um, so, um, so you know, so um, we deal with a community who are quite, who can be super cool and completely, utterly brilliant in what they do. But just sit on it and are anxious about expressing it to anyone else who's not a game player. Um, there's also, you know, there's a concentration of people with neurodiverse conditions. Um, and um, you know, there's 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 a sense, but then you know, game players generally are digital first, digital friendly, um, but that's hidden. It's there in the game, it's there for their mates, it's there for the people who you might love and nurture and bring forward in a game like league of legends um but it just doesn't really you know it's 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 hard to manifest it out of game
0: thank you thank you yeah i would love to get into how you surface that in the next question with diagnostics and that kind of thing but um does anyone sort of feel that how david expressed that hidden nature that relates to what they do that actually there's this brilliance, but it's not, you know, perhaps recognised.
3: I'm, I'm really interested in what David says about gamers sitting on it. Mm. Um, so so there's all sorts of uh, challenges about uh, carers being hidden. Typically your carer is p- going to be b- between 45 and 65 um, and uh, probably in work mm. uh, and may well have parenting responsibilities in addition to their caring role, which is I think quite a long way from what we imagine Um, unpaid carers to be uh, just kind of based on stereotypes. Um, But I think what's really interesting about David describing gamers sitting on on their skills, uh, we don't often, or we haven't yet normalized the idea of talking about caring roles conventionally. Now, sometimes there are some pretty good reasons for that. If you're talking about the impact of a caring role on your sex life or incontinence around the home, uh, that's probably not, not something that either you or the person you're caring for want to be chatting to your neighbour with or, or somebody at, at Tesco's. Um, but that does mean that we're not talking about some of the fantastic uh, skills that people are developing um, and, and the capacity and their personal development um, as, as they grow into a caring role, which can be a huge uh, responsibility I, I Just a uh, sort of final thought on this, Sophie, would be around um, the nature of hidden caring. Um, it's often hidden from yourself as a carer as well. Uh, you're so interested in the welfare of the person you're caring for, you haven't appreciated the impact that that's having on your life. Nobody gets out of bed and says, oh, you know what, I feel like identifying as an unpaid carer according to the definition of the 2014 Care Act. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not a thing. Um, But there's lots that we can do to encourage people to step back and just think about what's uh, the impact that that's having on their life and whether they would like some support to learn how to manage that um, in in a way that can sink in with their priorities and and what they want to achieve in life as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that's sort of dual role. So caring, being an aspect of what you do. But, you know, there's this whole other aspect as well. Not losing that, I suppose. Um, And Chi Chi, what, what do you think?
1: Yeah, no, I really echo a lot of things that both uh, David and, and James have said. And we, when we think about apprenticeships and apprentices, you know, of the apprentices that we play is 52% of them are women. Um, you know, a third of them, 23% Asian, 20, 21% Black. And when we think about sort of neurodiversity as well. We've got a third of them, you know, who say, you know, acknowledge that you know, they're disabled or have additional learning needs. And we recognise that as we design our content, we support them through their journey. And also, if you have conversations with apprentices, they'll often tell you that this apprenticeship has changed my life. Um, it's it's given me empowerment. It's helped me to learn life skills. It's helped me to you know you know get a home and um, you know get, get myself you know on that path of life sort of thing. And that's been really really impactful. And when we look at how we support individuals. Um, and look at apprenticeships and, and the impact that they have in organizations as well. Traditionally, when you talk about apprenticeships, people think, oh, it's construction, it's 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 those sort of more traditional roles. But there's been such a growth in companies seeing the value of apprenticeships and hiring individuals who have so much resilience, so much grit, um, highly intelligent, um, but they've just chosen to take a different path. And actually, seen that impact in their organisations as well. So, yeah, they are a group of people. I call them like a hidden army. Um, they they will change the world uh, because they're they're coming in with fresh ideas and a different perspective to life, and then bringing that into the workplace as well, which is really powerful.
0: Fantastic. I mean, a lot of what you said in in the, in the first question, the answers to the first question, I think all of you related some part of, you know, how this is all about um, supporting and building that community and sort of, you know, I think David with, with, with your, um, uh, with Game Academy, that's actually, you know, it's already there. It's just that there's this, perhaps this anxiety of exposing that to the outside world, because there's a kind of shared understanding internally, but perhaps not externally. But, um, if I understood correctly, so, um, there was an element of, I don't know if there's an element of in-person and virtual. So you mentioned boot camps, whether they're digital. But anyway, the the point being, what I'd love to know is, um, you know, we know how important it is to build confidence and peer support for learners to reach their true potential and keep going. So there's that aspect. And and Chi Chi, your role previously in the the coaching capacity. So really bolstering that um, confidence and the Mm. fact that that learner um, does have the right to be there to learn, to grow, to, to kind of bring what they have to offer to the world. So what I'd love to share with our learners is, um, with our listeners even, is how is this factored into your various offers? So how do you weave in, not just the technology, but recognizing that that confidence and peer-to-peer aspect is really important to the success ultimately of your learners?
1: Yeah, I mean, so a Multiverse, all of our apprentices have a coach who works with them throughout the duration of the program. Um, and, and as a coach, that was the very first role that I did when I when I joined. You're, you you really get to know the individual. You get to understand, you know, the motivations for for doing an apprenticeship, why they've chosen to do a particular one that they've done, their family background, maybe some of the barriers that have presented themselves in in their lives. And and my role at the time as a coach was to support them through this journey for the next twelve to eighteen months with their learning, but also navigating the world of work, particularly when it's their very first job. Um, some apprentices like I said um, had challenges um, so you're kind of signposting and helping with that um, and you wore many hats you know sometimes you know you're a coach you're a mentor sometimes it's like I'm trying to find somewhere to live I need to you know what do I do um, how do I um, you know manage my finances with this thing and everything else like that that first month where everybody's waiting for their first paycheck and they've gone out and like spent loads of money because they think oh, I've got a job and I'm being paid it's like yes let's slow down so there's that as well We've also got um, our mentoring scheme as well so all of our apprentices um, you know have options to join that so over 600 apprentices have gone through that mentoring program and that our mentors are people from all over not just within Multiverse so we open that up to other people to be part of that and really share their expertise and our you know our wide community offering was something that Ofsted cited as um, you know exceptional as part of their outstanding rating in, in that we've really thought about the different groups of people whether it's you know social you know, socio-economic background or um, you know kind of where you're from in the world um, your culture um, all those different things and creating those different groups of and um, subgroups within our community to support that um, and then finally you know we have apprentices who you know we think about and, we, and we, when we look at the data we know that those apprentices who have gone on to achieve merits and distinctions um, they're the ones who were active in the community they're the ones who were um, connecting with their peers. They were doing like peer sessions, they were going to events, they were doing all those sorts of things. And, and we've seen that direct correlation to their final overall grade, which has been really great to see. And so we know that that works and we know that's something that's a huge part of our kind of USP and offering for our apprenticeships.
0: That's really fascinating. And just before I move on to David and James, so how do you how do you sort of scale that? Because obviously that, that the attention to detail there is amazing. So then how do you, is it sort of cohort based? Do you, how do you scale it?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, with coaching, um, so we've got different programmes that have different models. So either one-to-one coaching, which tends to be for sort of our career starters. Um, and we've also got group coaching models as well. Everybody has access to a coach. And, um, and then in the community, the way that's scaled is that a lot of our content is we run, you know, live sessions, we record things, we've got a platform that they can go on and connect with each other. And also we leverage the community. So we allow them to also um, share their expertise and share their knowledge, which is really great for them in terms of building their confidence, helping them to, you know, cons- consolidate and solidify the things that they're learning and helping them to reach and grow their network as well. So, yeah, that's, that's it's something that we constantly think about and how can we, leverage technology to kind of help some of those aspects so that we can really protect that coach aspect, which is a big part of what makes what we do really work well. Fantastic.
0: James, are you hearing anything that sort of resonates with your work as well?
3: Yeah, really interesting that the, the word coaching has come up um, uh, so much. And uh, our big thing is scale with 11 million people. We, we want to make uh, this scal- as scalable as possible. So in addition to the uh, direct coaching uh, that we we can provide. Um, we're also looking at how we can introduce coaching techniques into some of the content that's available, so that care is at two o'clock in the morning, uh, when they might be scrolling through uh, a resource on on whatever um, uh, element of caring it is, can actually be encouraged to take a moment to, to step back and think about what it is that they're looking to get out of this, um, and and how they can take control as well. In addition to coaching, though, there's there's a um, there's a slightly more old-fashioned uh, concept that we've done a lot of thinking around, which is transactional analysis. And so often, um, in a health and care setting, when you're struggling with something, you end up with a person in a uniform with a qualification telling you what to do. And uh, it can very, it can be very easily for for us to slip into a parent-child relationship there. Now, the challenge with that is that. With a parent-child relationship, you might be exchanging the information, but it, it can be very hard to receive it in a in and an actually act on the recommendation that's been given. What we found is much more effective is to to hear from another carer who's been in the same position and somebody say, "Well, hey, you know what? I totally hear you. I've been there myself, and hey, I, this might not work for you, but this is what I did, and this is this is what I learned from it." Uh, And because I think when you're in a really high stress situation, you're not necessarily looking for somebody with a uniform and a qualification. You're looking for someone who's been on their knees and they've, they've got the poo out of the carpet. They've known what it's like to be up all night because somebody you're looking after needs to go to the loo or, you know, whatever it might be. There's that sort of empathetic importance, which comes from a community and is so important.
0: Thank you. Thank you, James. And, and David, what about uh, with the gamers? you know, what's the sense of uh, role models or peer to peer? What do you see within Game Academy? Well, for
2: a post-punk like me, it's weird to use the following expression, but I'll, I'll share it. I've never shared it before. Can't wait I, for I, this, Jim. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll apologize first, then say it. I think the reality is, is why no know that we approach what we do, we think of things as like an empowerment circle. We're almost obsessed now with sort of self-help, mutual support, and to think about creating and thinking about empowerment spaces and places. Um, so we and we encourage so we encourage um, interaction between game players. We are geekier than geek. Um, you know, we are really into the detail and are, and are completely happy to explain stuff um, in in us. In as deep a technical and <laughs> and as, as as specific a way as a, as game players love um, in reading manuals, um, we do everything we have. You know, sheer enthusiasm, frankly, um, like massive amounts of enthusiasm in a non cheesy, non cheesy variety. Um, and then also, you know, we have things like inspirational talks. So we will have, you know, we always remind people, you know, reflecting back on the earlier question, is that. There is this sort of strangeness that in contemporary culture, you know, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, Reid Hoffman. I could give you a kind of um, a World Cup full of international, highly skilled football players who play games to a very high quality and talk about it. Um, but there is this sort of there is this sort of disconnect between the fact that it may be like in caring, that caring and the caring impulse is lionized in culture, um, but somehow or other, it doesn't. There's no trickle down linked to it. And so we're constantly bringing to our, our group inspirational people, senior commanders of the British Army, you know, see, um, very, very successful um, tech entrepreneurs to talk about how they may not have necessarily excelled in school, um, but that they are highly accomplished in game and that games were, in effect, the, 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 the media for them to grow. I think the other point, finally, to make is that we go, which is is a kind of bleedingly obvious point, is that we go go to where they are, right? So, you know, we do stuff online, we do stuff on Discord, we do stuff on Twitch, um, and we're just there. Um, And uh, we don't show off very much. I think that's also a point, is that, I mean, game players are um, really aware of the sort of tech industrial complex and capitalism and how capitalism can exploit them. Um, and so we're very careful about and assiduous about being brutally, terribly honest and quite straight and not be too sort of salesy.
0: Yeah, we were having this discussion yesterday. There's, in there's, there's, in in there's integrity
2: there, which is crucially important.
0: Yeah, so the choice of language and making sure it connects with your particular learner group and it isn't uh, too consultancy- speak is very important, I think. Um, But yeah, I mean, that brings me on to, so we were talking a little bit there about that, perhaps that caution. So what I'd love to know is, you know, what's the ultimate end game, if there is one for all of your different organisations? So for example, if it's ultimately fulfilling employment, how do you go about creating those pathways from identifying that amazing ability of your learners nurturing that and then connecting them with opportunities and James your situation might be slightly different but we can come around to that but um, Chichi do you want to talk a little bit about the actual employment world and how you navigate connecting both and at what point you do that as well?
1: Yeah I mean if we think about what our ultimate aim is we we recognize as two things you know in organizations right now there's a diversity problem and a sort of a digital transformation challenge around digital skills. And I think the, the kind of the pandemic really heightened that really seeing this need to have these skills. And one of our our goals is really, you know, as we think about our learners, where it's not just about this first apprenticeship, it's kind of, we talk about the basics to the boardroom. We really want to think about how we really change the, the, the kind of the structure, the, the way um, companies are kind of organized, having much more diverse individuals in those places. So with our apprentices, as they come through the program, it doesn't just end when they finish their apprenticeship. We support them as alumni and think about, okay, you've got your next role now. How do we best continue to help them guide you through that? Um, a lot of our apprentices have come back for more and come back and done a second and, and some even done a third apprenticeship. We now do degree apprenticeships. Wow. So that's just incredible to see that they enjoyed it the first time and they've come back to do it again. And so when we're looking at what success looks like for us, it's, you know, has this individual completed their apprenticeship? Yes. Did they, um, you know, stay in their role or have they going to move into a promoted role or a new role? Yes. Um, you know, how have they been able to apply the skills that they've got and what impact has that had um, in the organisation? And, and we track that. We work with the companies that we work with to, to really measure that return on investment, because I think it's really important to, to see that and know that it's it's working, quote unquote. So other things that are um, important to know as well is that, you know, it doesn't just stop with, you know, one program, we work closely with um, our our clients to understand what is the market saying right now about what's needed in terms of roles. Um, You know, if you think about data, for example, and software engineering, there's so many roles out there um, that are unfilled right now. And so we have worked to think about, okay, how can we create an apprenticeship program that takes somebody, for example, who has zero software engineering skills to be coming a software developer? Um, Because even if you, um, you know, I think, they're saying there's so many open roles right now that even if you took all the graduates who've done an engineering uh, qualification you still have um, vacancies so it's really thinking about that when you look at um, you know how many women are in tech roles um, the numbers are so low and how can we support that in in, in bringing more diversity into tech um, and opening those opportunities and so we work really closely with our clients to to really help them place people into into those roles or if they already have existing employees upskilling them to be able to do that really really well
0: Yeah, I mean, and it it appears that Multiverse has done a very good job of um, repositioning uh, apprenticeships, as you mentioned, you know, there there was perhaps a a perception previously of what that was. And, you know, you've done a great job of of challenging that. And, um, you know, I I wonder now as well whether um, it's an easier sell-in to employers, whether they, they tend to be a little bit more flexible on what perhaps previously was their entry requirements and you know actually now you know not not just kind of falling back on degree uh grades and that kind of thing there seems to be a little bit more flexibility on the employer side as well
1: yeah and you know it, it starts with I mean a lot of the work was education piece around apprenticeships what they are and the value of them and also kind of showing to employees that you know We know that when apprentices join an organisation, they stay longer, they have a lot more loyalty to the organisation that they stay in. So if you're thinking, okay, I've invested all this time and money into an individual uh, and they're going to leave after a year or, you know, jump to the next thing. But if I hire an apprentice, they're most likely to stay two to three years, if not longer. There's also that to consider as well. And, you know, having those conversations around like we see the challenges that you're facing you know you want to upskill your workforce they're struggling with you know data skills I mean data literacy came about as a, as a program because you know you look around everybody works with data but the level of literacy around how we use data and understanding how to even just basic excel is, is such a huge gap and so working with employers to say look we can help you with that and at the same time you know your uh, the employees they are being upskilled Um, they're learning these new skills but this will also in turn support you and where you're going with that so it's a continuous conversation and and yes I I think particularly when we moved and launched in the US you know our very first uh, client was Google which was a big testament to to show how much the face of you know apprenticeships are changing and and the stamp of approval that they believe that yes we're the right provider and an organization to partner with to help do that there as well so yeah it's an ongoing conversation but one the tide is definitely turning
0: that's great to hear. Um, and David, we had a conversation previously, and uh, I was really fascinated about, you know, what you said around sort of mapping those different skills of gamers and then what their, essentially what their current day-to-day job is, and trying to expose them to a world of different applicable job roles. Um, and you, you mentioned diagnostics earlier, so perhaps you could Explain to our listener like what the what the uh, process is with game academy and what the opportunities are for connecting them to different opportunities as well.
2: So um, uh, there's drilling, by the way, in my house or in a ne- neighbouring building. So if it feels nope. like someone's trying to get out of the digital room. <laughs> I will try. I might have to shout, but just cut me off if it gets too bad. You
0: can't hear it, so you. Yeah, you, uh, yeah the, the, the suffering so is yours.
2: So what we've done basically is we've looked at every millimetre that you move in a game is recorded, and it's recorded quite often in your game profile. Um, and you also, increasingly, people use platforms like Steam, which is in effect like a Netflix of the games. And what whatever you do gets burnt into your user profile. And what we've done is, uh, using quite sophisticated data science, has found a way to create algorithms which basically Uh, can read um, and and tease out of um, that gaming profile um, certain skills. So you find, for instance, um, and we find correlations between, for instance, um, people who play particular kinds of games and careers in IT, or people who play particular games and careers in the creative industries. And so we can show tendencies through principally choices of games and combinations of choices of games, is we can show tendencies towards um, particular careers. And what we've done, um, in answer to your question as well, is that we sort of snuck our way into, by stealth, and a certain amount of um, sort of startup grind, is um, kind of ground our way into the, the, the supply chain. And so what we do is we provide these analytics to, um, to career organisations, employability organisations, local authorities, social enterprises, people who work—I have to say at the minute—principally with 18, 19, 20-year-olds, people who are in a really massively important transition in their life. And so, what we do is we provide—we um, provide them with opportunity to use our analytics, and for us to bring kind of content programmes for them to offer. To the people who they work with, and that's where we are at the minute. In the future, we do want to obviously be wherever gamers are, which you know inevitably are things like the metaverse in games themselves. Um, but we've started sneaking our way into the supply ch- into the supply chain as a source of talent. Finally, also is that we you know um, in the world of, in Chichi's world is that um, for instance um. Uh, training organizations say we're offering courses in cybersecurity, we're offering courses in digital marketing, blah, blah, blah. We would like talent. Can you please go and find people for us? And so we do collect up pools of people who are prospectively unbelievably hot in cybersecurity or marketing, or have, you know, gone off and streamed and are brilliant at actually producing stuff and potentially have a career in the creative industries.
0: Fantastic, thank you. You did admirably with the drilling as well, so uh, commendations on that. Um, and James, I don't know, um, you know, with with mobilise whether that's slightly different because people aren't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, aren't looking for a different job role. They're looking for the support and the learning in that unpaid uh, role instead. So, could you can you kind of relate to the question in a different way? Uh,
3: absolutely, Sophie. I mean, this is a, a question that we're constantly asking. Um, and actually, we we boil it down to uh, an overarching question, which is what. It is quite unfashionable to to ask it, but what is a good life? And and actually, um, caring for a family member is an absolutely standard part of family life. It's um, it's a, a, equitable to to parenting in in some ways. And uh, f- aside from all of the jokes, people find. Uh, parenting uplifting uh, it's a sort of central part of who they are so we're looking at how we can acknowledge the the expertise the wisdom and the knowledge that you're picking up in a caring role and reflect that back to the carer and say hey you know you do this is great you're doing really really well and and i think it's it's important that you know carers will almost always say i i i, I want to do this myself i want to be the person Uh, caring here because I I love this person and I and I I want to make sure they're okay but Sophie there is a very practical element to your question which is that a huge number of people uh, are currently dropping out of the workforce because they're juggling um, and struggling to cope with caring responsibilities and work I mentioned earlier that um, so many carers are between 45 and 65 so not only do we want to help carers stay in work, which is very often what they want to do. We also want to help businesses who have really amazing talent at the top of their game between 45 and 65, who are really valuable to their organisation. They want to be making whatever intervention they can to make sure those people are supported with their caring responsibilities so that they can stay in work as well. So there's uh, there's a lot that we can do to make sure that... Um, you know caring is never going to be easy but can we um uh, iron out some of the unnecessary frustrations particularly around access to information and communication and, and learning uh that would make that that process much more straightforward
0: so that's really interesting to me and i can i can imagine that the uh policy makers and the politicians uh challenged by UK PLC productivity at the moment are also very interested in that. Um, And I'm guessing a lot of that comes down to efficiencies around how long does it take me to find the right information? Can I do that in a better way? Can I do that continuously and that kind of thing? Um, Uh, uh, Absolutely.
3: And, and, And so much of caring at the moment, you have to learn through your own mistakes, which although a valuable exercise can be really inefficient, if there's 11 million of us, why not learn from each other's mistakes and build on them as we go? We can't necessarily give the right answer first up, but but that will be a much more straightforward process for everybody.
0: Fantastic. Thank you. So we've got seven minutes left. So I'm going to go rapid fire, try and get as much in as we can. And we've got some uh, great questions dropped in the chat here. So... Um, first one um metaverse have done a great job uh in promoting apprenticeships as exciting and appealing is chi chi seeing a wider shift in perception from policymakers so we talked about that shift in employers are you seeing an equivalent uh change in appetite from policymakers oh and your mute's on (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was it's actually interesting because apprenticeships have always been quite popular across the political spectrum, um, but we are seeing that perception change and, you know, policymakers are, are kind of recognising that they do hold the same prestige as, say, a university degree and, and even the same rigour. So. You know, being able to award degrees, we can now do, you know, multiverse degrees. And so you, when you have a degree from university and a multiverse degree, they're, they're both degrees. Um, uh, but the difference is as an applied degree, you've had those three years learning on the job as well. Um, so you've been giving back and having that value back to the organisation from day one. Um, so, yeah, we, we are seeing that um, and, and that perception shift as well.
0: And actually, I'd love to go back to that earlier point. So you mentioned using technology to help you scale your ambitions. And obviously, those ambitions are pretty, pretty massive. So could you tell us a little bit about how you apply technology to achieve some of your goals as well?
1: Yeah, so if I think about the intern process, right at the beginning, uh, I think about the application process, hundreds of thousands of people applying for apprenticeships. Um, so traditionally, people will um, assess on grades, we assess on grit, um, we, we're looking at sort of how have the things that you've gone through and, and done in your life helped to shape who you are and how will that then influence how you continue to be? So we have built a platform which um, assesses that quite well. Um, and one of the things that we're, we're doing with that is looking to see and using data to understand okay, what are the things that we can start to see in candidates um, that will show us that they will be successful in the apprenticeship um and that's one way we we look to scale that um with our technology and then obviously using technology with our with our learning uh, with our community and the platform so similar to what james was saying about giving people sort of that empowerment to get the information they need in, in real time so yes you've got your your sessions and your coaching and all that sort of thing but having resources and things that people can access when they need it is really really key um but the big part of you know being multiverse uh, as as the institution, so to speak, is really about kind of the front end and how we're, we're managing our application process and bringing people in and being able to to tell as an organisation that, yes, this is the kind of how we can assess a candidate and how we can um, demonstrate that this person will be successful on, on this particular programme.
0: Fantastic. Thank you. Um, and David, one for you. Uh, what inspired David to explore the skills gained through games? So what was the inspiration behind this whole endeavour?
2: Well, two things, really. The first is if you look at the world of work and you look at what the skills are, which are valued, um, and then you look at the skills of game players, you see an immense connection between the two. Um, you know, we live in a world where people exist in a virtual world. They socialise in a virtual world. We've created all these apps to enable people to sort of belong and belong and become something something and achieve something within a, within a virtual world. So it seems like a no-brainer uh, to... To to see, uh, uh, no brainer for us to see one and the other. Um, The the other thing, as well, is purely just experience of meeting people, frankly. I mean, when you meet, as as I've done, shed loads of plumbers (laughs) who play football manager to an immensely high degree. Uh, And also, you meet, you know, I met shed loads of of, um, assistant managers of of soup grocery stores who walk towards the problem rather than walk away. So, head office. You know messes up and sort of sends a ridiculous mm-hmm. ridiculous o- order from the warehouse to the, sh- to the store most people run for the emergency exits they don't want to have anything to do with it oh is that the time i need to go home there is a slight tendency if not a big tendency of the game player to walk towards the problem <laughs> and for me that is like beyond exciting and beyond insp- inspiring um, because then you really see that there's a connection, which is and, and something which is kind of latent. So, so yeah, it's those two things. One is the sort of, you know, the sort of looking at the analysis and where the world's going, blah, blah, and where, where are we going to find people, where's the source of future digital skills? And the second is just the testaments of just meeting the most remarkable people.
0: Brilliant. I love that. I love that. Um so we've got three minutes. I think it would be fabulous if you can all spend about a minute just if you'd like to share with our listeners one thing that really moves you or inspires your way of working with, you know, whether it's Mobilised Game Academy or Multiverse or your own kind of individual contributions, but anything you'd like to share. So is that a project, person, book, podcast, anything else that helps shape your way of thinking in this space? Uh, James, let's go to you first.
3: Oh, thank you. Well, hey, Sophie, I'm, I'm a teacher um, at heart. I, I trained as a maths teacher back in the day. And um, so, I love hitting revenue targets and growth of the company. But the thing that really gets me going is seeing people thrive. And the number of instances that I can think of, where somebody's come to us, really stressed at kind of the last gasp, and they're just desperate to know what to do. Uh, and through you know just a few weeks of uh, being on our platform, they've started to take a step back. They've got a bit of Uh, a sense of control over a situation they know what they're aiming for and they 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 feel like they've shifted from managing or coping with the situation to actually starting to thrive and uh, I I think um for me personally but I know also anybody who works for Mobilize um that is the thing that gets us out of bed every day and it's a real privilege uh to see it on such a regular basis
0: yeah, and if, if I could have uh, handed Mobilise uh, an account of Mobilise to my mum a couple of years back, that would have been fabulous. So I'm, I'm sure everyone can totally connect, connect into that. So thank you. Thank you.
2: Um,
0: David, how about yourself? Oh, you're on mute. Don't worry, it's, uh, it must be a design flaw there, surely. We'll automate it in a year. <laughs>
2: well, I managed to sort of kill the drilling. Um, yeah, <laughs> but, but, but you anyway, now and me. I mean, I, for me, it was frankly just one. In the end, actually, it's one conversation I had with a carer who was is mad for from the northeast, who's like twenty four, um, who's mad for Animal Crossing, a game called Animal Crossing, which is a gorgeous, amazing game and it was when she, i found her i don't know how i found her anyway i found her and then she was talking to me about how between clients james you should probably put your fingers in your ears for this, is that between supporting clients in her car she would she would live stream animal crossing and for me that was just a like brilliant i mean my deep background i made television for like 20 years making directing programs and producing and all that but, but the critical bit is also that So I, we gave her our like, analytics and said, okay, look, look just, just do this, right? And then so she came back and it, she scored high for entrepreneurship. Um, and I, we, we chatted about it afterwards. She said, I, she said, I score high for entrepreneurship. I'm not an entrepreneur. The software is telling me I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm not. And I said, well, what the hell? I didn't quite say it in as clean and <laughs> fashion as that. I said, what the hell are you doing? in between clients, you're streaming. You know, my background, I made films from when I was about like 10 years old and I made lots and lots and lots and lots of films and then ended up making television, is that she is a creative entrepreneur. She's the basic creative entrepreneur. She's market. she's streaming, she's marketing, she's making videos, she's doing this thing. She, she's got an itch which she cannot help scratch. And that is, and I, I, and I gave her, I didn't do it in such a kind of, you know, um, patronizing way, but I sort of said, you know, this is this. You are a creative entrepreneur. And we went through it and she went, well, well, yeah. And she said, rather grudgingly, but she went, yeah, I guess I am. And that for me is the, was the is the moment and which makes it all worthwhile and which actually just drives it all forward is, is to be able to reveal to people their hidden talent and to be able to reveal to them that there is a miracle in their life and it's at the center of their life. And actually, you know, it's what what is their life? Um, but they just don't necessarily have an opportunity to reflect upon it or see it in that way. So it's a different lens. Um, And that's the way in which obviously, if if we're all mutually um, intent on social mobilization, on supporting people to express themselves and realize what they want to realize, is that it's these sorts of little interventions or particular lenses, which, you know, giving people lenses to, to, to see their life in a different way, which, you know, really is motivating.
0: Thank you. Thank you, David. And
1: finally, Chi-Chi. Yeah, I completely resonate with that, David. You know, there's so many apprentice stories I could share with you. Uh, You know, there's ones that come to mind of a guy who had a stammer or has a stammer, um, but didn't use that as a kind of way to to restrict or kind of limit what he's capable of achieving. He's gone and and created a podcast. He's won awards. He's done a TED talk. Um, There's another apprentice who... Um, World's An Apprentice even at Multiverse, again, has gone on to do great things as well and just, you know, they sharing their stories is so inspiring and, and when I see apprentices that I even kind of worked with personally, you know, do an apprenticeship, do another one, um, you know, you know the background that they had, you know the challenges that they were facing, <clears throat> excuse me, whilst they were doing that to successfully complete that get a new job and do all of that is just so empowering so for me there's just so many things um that make us getting up every day to do the work we do really really exciting we know we're changing lives and and the the final example two apprentices who sent a picture in fact they posted on instagram of like if this is what apprenticeships can do then everyone should do apprenticeships and they were both in front of their houses that they had bought um, wow. so these are like 20 year olds who have been apprenticeships and they had been saving and doing everything and then they bought properties and so it was just it was just lovely to see and just to know that we've all been part of that journey so the the, the opportunities are endless for for what we can do so apprenticeships are, are fantastic
0: well I have to say after you know seven years of doing the EdTech podcast that's probably you know three organizations where I feel like wow what a huge difference. Uh, vocational learning technology and you know entrepreneurship has made so uh, thank you all for sharing your stories that's been really amazing and yeah quite inspirational to listen into so thank you so much um we're now at the end of time so we uh yeah we, it's time to say goodbye so thank you everyone for listening in um if you're watching live then do go and check out the rest of the week of VocTech events that are happening um this week and if you're listening back then Um, I will be editing this. I mean, you won't hear this bit, so it's kind of irrelevant. But but for anyone else listening in, I'll I'll get this edited and turned around by the end of the week and out. And um, you'll you'll hear this on the EdTech podcast feed next week. We have lots of um, lovely, uh, generous comments. So thank you. What an amazing panel. And uh, really uh, love the brutal honesty. I love it. Integrity is important. So, yeah, thank you again to all of our amazing guests. And uh, see you next time. Okay, bye bye.
2: Thank you.